We all have an area of our life, whether present or past, that we just don't want to talk about, that we don't want to touch on. Yet that is exactly where God wants to go. And we're going to see that in today's text. This is Between the Lines. I'm Scott. I'm Junior. We're going to get going right away in Luke chapter 8. So, Junior, you want to go ahead and read? Yep, verse and we're starting in verse 26. It says, so they, meaning Jesus and his disciples, they were in a boat. They arrived in the region of the Gerasenes across the lake from Galilee. And what had just taken place before this it was the calming of the storm. So, man, there were great passages we had over the weekend. Yeah. And I hope, hope, you're, you hope you're all caught up. But right. uh, So they just they had the calming of the storm. Now they get to the other side. That's right. And Dad, last year, you and I, in this very area mm-hmm. where, where they just landed on the shore, you and I. And, we were there. And Jordan, we were actually staying in a Mongolian, uh, what do they call it? Like a uh, Mongolian yurt. Yeah. We camping out. And the, it was right in this area where this happened. It says, as Jesus was climbing out of the boat, a man who was possessed by demons came out to meet him. For a long time, he had been homeless and naked, living in the tombs outside the town. As soon as he saw Jesus, he shrieked and fell down in front of him. Then he screamed, why are you interfering with with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? Please, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already commanded the evil spirit to come out of him. The spirit had often taken control of the man. Even when he was placed under guard and put in chains and shackles, he simply broke them and rushed out into the wilderness, completely under the demon's power. You just think about that town. Mm. A town in that area that that mm. man would have completely scared those children. This is a man that that town doesn't want around, yet they can't control him. We know from Matthew, and Matthew wrote about this, that he lived in the caves. You know, yeah. that, uh, in fact, when we were there, there was a lot of caves yeah. and dwelling among the tombs, yeah. uh, which were basically caves. We saw those tombs all over the landscape there. Right. And it was it was amazing, you know, picturing this, but this would have been, there's a city right there. Yeah. This was Susita, right? Yeah, Susita, yeah. And that, which was a Roman city, you can imagine the fear that came yeah. upon the people as they would hear him shriek at night and yeah. the children running home because of the scary noises that they were hearing from this man who was down by the tombs. And, yeah, and Luke tells us that they tried to overpower him, but they couldn't. Mm-hmm. And how many issues do we have of that in our lives? Or these issues that we try to control, that we try to overcome, but we just can't. And so... What this town does is what we often do. Let's just hide. Let's not talk about them. Let's just, you know, keep them put away, that skeleton in the closet. And we like to do that as people, but that's God doesn't yeah. let us. That's he, exactly he where Jesus wants to go. Yeah. Verse 30, Jesus demanded, what is your name? Legion, he replied, for he was filled with many demons. Now, Legion, that would have, for first century readers, that would have made the hair stand on the mm-hmm. back of their necks because Legion, what was that? Does that mean a thousand? Yeah, t- uh, technically, but I think that, wait, or is it a hundred? I'm was a, trying to remember. No, hundred a centurion. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Legion, a centurion oversaw a hundred, but a legion would be a thousand troops. Yeah. And so, but I, I don't think it was always exactly that. But it sure. But it was still a fearful thing because you got a whole army of troops. Yeah. And that's what he's referring he's to. Himself I've got as. a whole army of demons. Really, is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. The demons kept begging Jesus not to send them into the bottomless pit. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby, and the demons begged him to let them enter into the pigs. So and Jesus people said, well, the, you know, the Jews shouldn't have had pigs anyway, but Susita was a Roman city, so these would have been Romans that were keeping those pigs. So Jesus gave them permission. Then the demons came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned. When the herdsmen saw it, they fled to the nearby town and surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened, and a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been freed from the demons, 
He was sitting at Jesus' feet, fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. I want to just kind of point out something from earlier when the demons or when those pigs went down the hill, because I, I when I first heard this story for years, I tried to picture these pigs running over a cliff, you know, and just, <laughs> tum, you know, like like you're jumping off the high dive or something. But in reality, when you're there and you see that the cliff's there, it's actually a very steep hills. And so if you've ever started running down a hill and then because of the momentum, because of the steepness of the hill, you couldn't stop. Your legs just kept going and you had to keep your legs going just to keep up with it. Yeah. And you could not stop. That's just basically what those hills were like. And so it was like these pigs started running down the hill and it got steeper and steeper and steeper until they just wound up just tumbling and rolling all the way, or, yeah, all the right. way into the ocean or yeah. not the ocean, but the, the sea of Galilee. Yeah. Then those who had seen it, what happened, told the others how the demon-possessed man had been healed, and all the people in the region of the Gerasenes begged Jesus to go away and leave them alone, for a great wave of fear swept over them. Which is kind of an amazing thing to me, because you see this guy who's in a normal state now sitting and talking with Jesus, and like any other person, clothed, and and that created fear. But I, we see that happen a lot as pastors. We see that when a person's life changes— for the better, you, you see addicts turned around and getting victory over their addiction, alcoholics overcoming alcohol because Jesus comes in, transforms their life. And I've had parents upset with me because they they were fearful of what had happened to their kid. I've had spouses get, and, and they like blame me. It's not me, it's it's God. But they, they all of a sudden their wife changes and, and she becomes a much better person. Her husband changes, he becomes a much better person, but just the change within them they know there's something not natural that is to play here, and it creates fear. Yeah, freaks them out. I think it's that also coupled with they just lost a lot of money. No, with the with pigs. The pigs. That's, That's true. a lot of money. That is. That would have been a huge hit to their economy, mm-hmm. too. Uh, so Jesus returned to the boat and left, crossing back to the other side of the lake. Dad, do you want to take it here in verse 38? Sure. The man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him, but Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family. And tell him everything that God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. Now, can I just say something about yeah. that? Because um, it is cool because Jesus tells him to go do this and he does. And we believe that when Jesus feeds the 4,000, I believe that it was partly because of this man telling the towns around to mm-hmm. come and hear this Jesus. And so Jesus starts to create like these large followings from this man not following him. But it makes me think of... Uh, and I love it. Sometimes people will come to church and they hear a sermon, they get fired up and then they want to meet because, hey, I want a job at the church. Like if I really want to impact the, the kingdom, come, I want to work for the church. And we're always telling people like your greatest impact for the kingdom is not going to mm-hmm. be sitting at a desk here. No. Your greatest impact for the kingdom is going to be in at your desk current desk right now and telling all those people and bringing them out to church. Yeah, that is where God has called you. See the change is exactly right. Yeah. All right, and uh, on the other side of the lake, the large crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him, which again, because of partly because of this. Then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying, and Junior, you're a girl dad. And yeah. I, you know, we know as those of us who are parents, and even those who aren't parents, you, you can imagine this, how heavy his heart was, so desperate to see his daughter healed. Woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and she could find no cure. So here's a woman now in the meantime that interrupts, and she was desperate for personal healing. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Immediately, the bleeding stopped. Who touched me, Jesus asked. 
Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. In other words, you know, <laughs> everybody's touching you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized that she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking to her, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. Can I ask but, real quick, yeah, when he ahead. says leader of the synagogue, what is that? Is that a rabbi? Is that a... Yeah, I've, I've questioned that myself as well. But we know that when it comes to church work, because the church is a community, it's not just something we do on right, weekends. Right, just teaching. And, and so yeah. it's all week long we've got the, And there's yeah. a lot of organizations. Counseling there's so and, many things that, that right. are going on behind the scenes. And even like, you know, taking care of the building and sure. there's special needs from people that are needing to be met. And I mean, this place is a beehive of activity. Right. And it wasn't any different for the synagogue. I mean, they were ministering to hundreds and thousands of people. Yeah. And so I, I I have wondered if it doesn't mean some kind of a manager of the synagogue, unless it's the lead rabbi or the okay. lead priest that oversaw that synagogue. Sure. I or honestly maybe I'm not an accountant sure. for the synagogue or something. Yeah, but yeah. it's somebody who is in a position of responsibility, but also religiously ex okay. respected. And the religiously respected people tended to not go to Jesus. Right. So the, he did stand out. So um, so his daughter dies, verse yep, 50. Verse 50. But when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith, and she will be healed. And you'd think, you know, by this time you've given up. When they arrived at the house, Jairus wouldn't let anyone go with him, or Jesus wouldn't let anybody go with him except Peter, John, James, and a little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd who were weeping, you know, they went from weeping to laughing. The crowd laughed at him because they all knew that she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. Notice he said in a loud voice. <laughs> and I don't think it's because the girl needed to hear him. I think it's because the laughing people needed to hear him say this. And at that moment, her life returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told her to give her, told them to give her something to eat. Just so practical. Yeah. She's hungry. She needs something to eat. It also was convincing to see her eat. They knew she really is alive. Her parents were overwhelmed, but Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. Hmm. Uh, he's in his mode of telling, you know, he, he tells the, the demon-possessed man, man to tell all the, these people what great things God has done. He didn't say me, but God yeah. has done. But now he tells them not to tell anybody. Yeah. You have that all figured out, Junior? Well, I'm wondering if it's because the demon-possessed man is in a Gentile area. And with the Jewish area, he's like, I still want to keep this on the DL just a little bit because it's going to explode. And when it explodes, that was going to be the end of his life. Yep. And he wanted to do as much preaching, you know, proclaiming the good news prior to that. Yeah. All right. Great, great chapter. We'll be uh, picking up in the next chapter tomorrow. But right. let's get over to Proverbs and Proverbs 15 again. I, You know, I've got a lot of these verses marked because there's such good material in Proverbs 15. But yeah. Verse 4, we looked at yeah. verse 1 a couple of months ago, but verse 4 kind of plays off yeah. of verse 1. I love the, the first line. I mean, we'll get the full verse, but mm -hmm. I love the first line. It says, gentle words are a tree of life. Hmm. You see the tree of life in the Garden of, of Eden was the mm -hmm. life that or the tree that gave life. Yeah, And yet he's saying our words can give life. Right now I'm wearing a bracelet. We gave these out at the bridge, and it's fun because uh, we gave these out 
gosh, six months ago. I yeah. still see people with them on all the time. All the time. Yeah. I don't. Jack's our sound guy right now is yeah. not wearing one. So Jack, shame on man, Jack. He took it off. <laughs> he had it on a couple weeks ago. So. But I, I see this on people all the time. It says speak life. Yeah. Um, and, and that's really where we get this verse from that our, you can fill your home, you can mm -hmm. fill your office, you can fill your marriage with life just from the words that you speak. Yeah. But the rest of, the, of that verse. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. And I think we all know what it's like to be lied about yep. and lied to. Yeah. And the loss of trust in that relationship. Yeah. It's uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Mm -hmm. And so how you use your tongue today, pay very close attention. That's right. Well, make it a good day today. And the way to make it a good day is to fill your day with gentle words that are a tree of life. So I would even pray after we're done, which I, I hope you read through Proverbs and I hope you pray, but I would even pray today after we're done, right here. Just pray, God, can you please convict me? Please point me to the right people to speak words of life to. Mm -hmm. I, I was talking to a guy just a, a couple of weeks ago. He said, my morning prayer every morning is like, God, can you please bring somebody into my path who needs you today? So pray that and, and, and specifically pray for somebody who needs words of life mm -hmm. and then speak those words. God bless.